Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Garage Logic Podcast number 39, November 6, 2018. It was zero in 1991. That's when we were still digging out from the Halloween blizzard. And uh, back in 1893, it was 73 degrees in downtown Garage Logic. This podcast on Election Day is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. It was on this day, Election Day in 1998, that Jesse Ventura became governor of the state of Minnesota. He received, along with May Shunk, recall uh, May as his running name, 773,713 votes. Norm Coleman and his running mate, Jen Olson, received 717,350. And uh, Skip Humphrey and Roger Moe. Uh, finished third, 587,528. We're joined now by a fellow who was, uh, uh, got very close to Jesse, John Woodley, calling from uh, Wabasha, Minnesota. Hi, John. Hi, uh, Joe. Good to hear your voice, uh, and congratulations on your new venture. Thank you. Uh, John, were you hired uh, by Jesse uh, or Jesse's team? How did, the, how did it come about that you uh, developed a relationship with him? Well, after uh, Jesse Ventura was elected, um, uh, I, I was actually uh, on a trip around America, you know, the Finding America type thing, yeah. because um, the people who follow politics will know that I sort of took a unceremonious uh, absence from my job um, based on accusations of <laughs> romance. Uh-huh. And uh, um, I... Um, Went on a trip and was gone from uh, Election Day and through uh, almost December. I was driving um, actually from Key West to Miami, thinking I should probably head back to Minneapolis and find a job. And um, I got a call from um, Stephen Bosacker, right. who was uh, his transition person, uh, asking me if I would be interested in working for Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. Um, I told him no. Um, because they, what they wanted me to do was to move to Washington, D.C. and be his uh, the governor's represent, representative in, in Washington, D.C., which most states have that position. And I didn't want to leave uh, Minneapolis. I didn't want to go to Washington, D.C., so I said no. I called them back the next day and said, do you have any other jobs? And they said, well, we have a, uh, 
Director of Communications that hasn't been filled, but we have three finalists, and we're going to decide tomorrow which one to hire. So it's probably too late. And I said, well, give me an interview. And I said, I'll fly home and interview. And so they actually gave me two days to drive home. And on Christmas Eve day, he interviewed me. And you won. He talked to me <laughs> for a half an hour and who, never asked a question. Who did? Jesse? Jesse did, yeah. Never asked a question. Wait, he First talked to you and never asked one question. <laughs> not, not a question. Okay. So finally, I mean, I had gone into the interview not knowing much about him, just, you know, what I learned during the campaign and stuff, and I was a little nervous, and I thought it'd be exciting to get get the job. And I had decided that there were a couple of things that, you know, we had in common. Number one, he was a mayor of uh, uh, Brooklyn Center, and, and um, uh, I was mayor of Wabasha when I was a young man. Right. We had that in mind. We were both in the military during the Vietnam era. I had that in mind with him, and I thought, but, you know, I'll mention those. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking, am I ever going to get a chance mm-hmm. to say anything? <laughs> well, he ended his uh, sort of diatribe um, with a story about CJ, uh, a reporter for the Star Tribune who did a gossip column, basically, right. who had wronged him and that how he had no time for her or the Star Tribune. And he finally asked a question. At the end of that, he said, I suppose you like CJ. Uh-huh. And I looked at him and I said, well, Governor, the answer to that question would be yes. I said, the fact is, you know, we're not close or anything, but I don't dislike her. Right. Uh, And I said, you know, when she was a cub reporter, I knew her pretty well. The first thing she did when she worked for the Star Tribune was she covered cops in Ramsey County. Right. For a very short period. And I said, the cops used to just, Give her a hard time. I mean, they did that to every report. Right. No matter if you were boy or girl or black or white. You, they, they initiated you, mm-hmm. you know, led you on wild goose chases, that kind of thing. That's what cops do. And she was having a hard time with it. And uh, I was working in the Ramsey County Attorney's Office, and I would counsel her. You know, it's not about you, not personal, it's the way they initiated you. So I got to know her and, you know, kind of liked her. What John? What uh, uh, give us a brief uh, synopsis of the of your background that led you to be uh, called by the Ventura people? You were uh, you were a media consultant around town for a long time, right? Right, um, and I had um, worked for the Clinton campaign in '92, and uh, had spent a lot of time in the media defending him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I also was a spokesperson for the Ramsey County Attorney's Office for 13 years. And then um, uh, I, I had a reputation with a lot of people, um, but specifically with uh, Congressman Tim Penny and uh, and Stephen Bosacker, who was Tim Penny's um, um, uh, aide while he was in Congress, uh, because I worked with an organization called the Democratic Leadership Council and uh, did a lot of communications and public relations stuff for them. So. And his, the people that were running his transition knew of me and my abilities. And I, and I didn't I didn't have a real close relationship with the Democratic Party, and, and for sure not with the Republican Party. Once you were hired on Christmas Eve Day in 1998, did you then have a daily, a daily contact with the governor? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was probably the person who was 
um, most often with him. I mean, I was with him daily. I traveled with him daily, uh, consulted with him daily. Uh, it was a very close relationship, um, probably closer than uh, anyone that else in that administration. I always thought that his bravado uh, was a front and that in a, in a closed office situation with you or other people who were advising him, he, he probably was an amenable guy. Is that a fair assessment? No question about it. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Ventura is basically a nice guy. Yeah. He, he, he has a, a, a good value system. Um, he, he's, he's into fairness. You know, he has a very keen sense of what's fair for the common man, and I think he showed that. And, and, and he's, on, he's on, you know, brutally honest, I mm-hmm. suppose you'd have to say. Do you find any analogies between uh, Ventura's victory in subsequent uh, uh, governing and uh, Trump's victory in his subsequent governing? Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose um, there is, but the fact of the matter is is that, you know, Jesse Ventura was not uh, a candidate of, of the, the two parties, either the Republicans or Democrats, and, and, that, and, and that really sort of separates it out. Uh, but the sense that the people had uh, of uh, Mr. Trump, that he was not a politician. Right. Uh, is the only real similar uh, thing that they brought to the table. But they're completely different uh, men. And and once Trump was in office, uh, he at least had a party uh, that put him in the game uh, in Congress. Right. Jesse, Jesse was Reform Party, right? He was, he was an independent uh, party, Reform Party, um, of, of, of a third party, that had no representation in the or in the legisl- Minnesota legislature, and so he was he was not um, he, the the two parties were working against him, and it was very hard and frustrating for him to govern in that situation. I mean, basically, you had you had um, uh, the leaders of the legislature, Roger Moll, Steve Swigum, and Tim Pawlenty, who all wanted to be governor. And sure as hell didn't want Jesse Ventura to look good as governor. Mm-hmm. What what had to happen? What had to happen for him to have achieved that victory? What had to what had to go right in the final month of the uh, campaign, for example? What, in your estimation, I know you were on a trip around the world or whatever. Well, what what do you think had to happen right and did happen right? Well, what what do you think had to happen right and did happen right? Well, it was the give it back theme, um, which was the closest thing that the people could get to uh, what Jesse Ventura would bring to a governorship, mm-hmm. and that is a sense of fairness. The, the people who were running um, as Republicans and Democrats, Skip Humphrey and Norm Coleman, were uh, of the ilk that would go to the people, say, we need X number of tax dollars, and then when the, the laws and the and the taxes that they put together provided them millions, actually billions more than they said they needed. And that wasn't fair Mm -hmm. to the people. Mm -hmm. And Jesse Ventura said, I'll give it back. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't go there. That was the difference in my mind. Jesse Ventura was offering them honesty and fairness. They wouldn't go there. They They weren't necessarily unfair, but they wouldn't go there and say they would give it back. I think that, and not only that, um, I mean, there, there was a, 
a sense of excitement uh, in terms of his uh, sort of forthrightness and ability to um, speak his mind without worrying about um, what part of the political spectrum he might offend. Do you think that uh, that if in a candid moment would he ever have acknowledged that he was surprised that he won? Oh, no question he has. Okay. Well, he has privately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he had no expectation that he would win. Did he enjoy being governor? He did enjoy it uh, at times. Mm-hmm. Um, most um, in the first two years. The second two years, it was a little bit uh, downhill. He was personally uh, fatigued. He was um, very, very frustrated. In, this, in the second year, when we were doing a budget, um, it was very hard uh, on him and on all of us because the House and the Senate uh, leaders w- would not cooperate. He vetoed their bills twice and because um, he said they were unfair, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't go along. They wouldn't go along with with Jesse's um, uh, package, and so finally he had to agree to a, a huge compromise. I mean, there was nothing he could do. And, and that, that saddened him, that he, he didn't have the support in the legislature to do what, what he and his advisors thought was best for the, for the state, and, and, and frustrated the heck out of him. I mean, well, there you, were, you had two parties that didn't—you just said it. You had two parties that didn't want him to look good. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and they were successful in making him look bad in that budget year, and 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 that sort of uh, did him in. That and on the on the flip side, in in all honesty, he was getting more and more into um, his extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. um, of which some uh, people didn't agree with. Um, I always remember talking to him about it once, and uh, when he was doing the. Uh, XFL com- commentary, right. we call it an XFL football. Right. Um, he, he's, I had a very sort of intense conversation with him. He leaned forward on his desk and, you know, and he said, John, I know you don't agree with me, but that's just the way I am. <laughs> I think that might be the worst Governor Ventura impression I've ever heard in my life. Oh, thanks, Rookie. That's why you're on the radio and I'm not. <laughs> when the, the evening of uh, the election, uh, when it seemed like things were heating up, my wife and I called my mom. She came over, watched our kids. We hopped in the car, went to Canterbury. I ran into Dean Barkley. Explain why Canterbury. Canterbury was the location where uh, Governor Ventura was going to have his um, uh, parties, end of the night party. Right. Vi- they they weren't sure it was going to be a victory party, as John alluded to earlier. Uh, but Canterbury was packed. I ran into Dean Barkley, who was involved in the Reform Party. He grabbed me and said, "Come back with the family." I said, "Nope." He said, "Just do it. You uh, Jesse wants to see you." And so I went back there, and I remember when the check mark went off. Uh, it was either CNN or locally, wherever it was. And it projected him the winner. And I remember Terry looking at him. That's his wife. At Terry Ventura and looking at him and distinctly, right at his face, saying, what in the hell did you just do? <laughs> and I think that talks to, speaks to your surprise that they weren't sure they were going to win. But uh, the 
the family, uh, the the two kids and uh, Terry and Jesse, really, uh, I think they handled it well without being prepared to be thrown in that environment. I know Tyrell initially was crawling through the tunnels to see. I would have done the same thing. So my kids would have done the same thing. But uh, I would say they were well behaved and they did a pretty good job being not being prepared for that. Absolutely. I mean, as a family. You know, he's a great family man. Uh, He's a a great father and a great husband. Another thing, you know, people, uh, you can imagine the calls I get in the national press early on I did uh, comparing him to uh, Trump. There's no comparison. I mean, he's been married to Terry for, uh, you know, 40 years, and his his kids have grown up to be good kids, and uh, I have a lot of respect for him as as a family man. He called me, called me a couple months ago and said, John, I think you'd be interested. I'm going to church now. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> no, no kidding. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, 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 you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's Terry. Uh, Terry's faith is important to her, and, and uh, I don't think he's worried about being saved, but uh, I think he does it for <laughs> Terry, you know. I would have said follow it up with the church of what, Governor? <laughs> John, what do you think? Uh, what do you think he would say was his uh, uh, most cherished accomplishment as governor? Well, he always says that um, the the vehicle uh, registration uh, uh, that he um, reduced mm-hmm. uh, was the most unfair thing in government, and that he corrected that. But then, on the flip side, he regrets that they took it away from him when he left office. Right. Uh, he thought it was unfair that a person who um, had the uh, advantage to drive in an expensive car had to pay so much more license than someone who didn't. And and, and his idea, another his idea to correct that was to make up for the, uh, uh, for the loss of revenue um, by raising the gas tax. I recall. I recall that he was uh, uh, pretty pleased with himself. I think for getting the uh, federal money that launched light rail. Oh, absolutely, light rail, um, and, and and actually, yes, I was remiss by not thinking of that. Um, that was a huge, huge accomplishment, and he he was right out there with his commissioner, Al Dinklenberg, uh, transportation commissioner, um, champion of it all the way, and. Um, you know, if you could have seen him when he took his first and last ride on the light rail, um, you you would agree that that would be right at the top of his list. Well, I always accused him of wanting light rail because he thought that would clear up the freeways for him. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, he always had himself in mind. But yeah. that, that also speaks to, you know, we've talked about um, uh, his upbringing, his blue-collar upbringing uh, in Minneapolis. And that is that was an extension of that. The light rail money was the the federal government has got a pile of money of which they are going to give out to someone. Yeah, and he didn't want to miss out. He didn't want to miss out. Yeah. And that was just like the, the the license tabs. He knew that there were people that had mediocre cars that were getting charged two hundred bucks for a, a, a Chevy Impala, and and that's the reason they wanted the money back. That's the reason he wanted to give the surplus back. So his upbringing had so much to do with that. He had great parents. John, was he agreeable to uh, to receiving instruction or uh, counsel? Was he absolutely agreeable to and that? He, 
and that's why I think you could talk to any of his commissioners that, that served uh, for him or his uh, employees, and they will tell you that um, uh, he was a uh, keen listener. He sat in meetings and would be educated on um, uh, tax increment financing and other um, government programs that can be very complicated. And, and he had great respect for the people who were experts in those areas. And so, um, absolutely, he, he was a, an excellent governor um, uh, until such a time that it began to wear on him that he had difficulty uh, accomplishing his agenda. In areas where he could operate without interference from the legislature, he, would continu- he continued to be very focused on for all four years. Mm-hmm. For example filling judge vacancies uh, in the judicial branch. Mm-hmm. He did that with great care and, and, and um, getting great advice, uh, good advice from people uh, as to who would make the best judges in the state of Minnesota. And to this day, that's another accomplishment that he looks back on is how uh, the uh, judicial branch uh, was cared for by him by appointing very qualified people without uh, any regard to whether they were Democrats or Republicans or conservative or liberal. Did he give uh, strong consideration to running again, or did he did he think four years was enough? Well, I think um, he, he he's you know has a fairly very good uh, political sense, and um, you know when he ran the first time, uh, it was. It was a situation where he didn't think he was going to win, and nobody thought he was going to win. So, you know, his his ego, I guess, um, would would allow him to go in there and make a splash, and if he lost, no harm. But I, you know, Jesse kind of likes um, likes a sure thing, mm-hmm. um, and um, and and he was beginning to see that his reelection was not a sure thing. So I don't think he wanted to go down that road. Um, and and, um, and 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 this is um, very important. Um, Terry was not feeling well. She was not comfortable, no longer comfortable in the role of first lady, and she was very worried about him. Uh, and and so I think those two things probably he decided that you know he wasn't going to go through it. And you know. He made a few bucks off the job. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> King Midas. Well, it was a, it was a fun night twenty years ago, John. It was it was a it was a night that Minnesotans will never forget. It certainly was, and 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 I, you know, they always say, "Do no harm." Uh, he did no harm, and he did some good, and I respect him for it. John Woodley, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Joe. Thanks. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, Norm Coleman was going to join us, but uh, unfortunately, what Norm needs is your prayers. He's not doing well. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he wasn't feeling up to the task. He's so. struggling with a cancer battle, and uh, he was scheduled to come in, but he's uh, he took a little turn, and uh, we wish him all the best. Why don't we uh, take a little time out? First of all, and I say, the, hold, hold it down if we can for a minute, and I say this very sincere, thank you.
thank you for renewing my faith that the American dream still lives. You know, it was back in 64 that a hero and an idol of mine named Muhammad Ali beat Sonny Liston. And I remember in those days you listened on the radio. And I remember my dad and my brother and I listening on the radio. And he did it. He won. He shocked the world. No one said he could do it. Then, well, then in later years, I think it was 1980, we sent a hockey team to the Olympics. A, bu a bunch of amateur kids who weren't given a chance. They had to face the Russians who were like professionals. Nobody gave them a chance. And what happened? They shocked the world. Well, now it's 1998, and the American dream lives on in Minnesota, because we shocked the world! Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Tonight, the uh, winner will either be Walls or Johnson. Doesn't quite have the same uh, ring of excitement that it might have had uh, 20 years ago tonight. <laughs> I uh, would agree with you. <laughs> what else did he say to you? You got down to Canterbury, and your background, of course, is that you produced his radio oh, show. I, I know exactly. What did he say to you? Uh, after he was projected the winner, I honest, I witnessed Terry say that to him. Yep. And then we're kind of mingling around, and people are having a, a, a cocktail or two. And he specifically got right in my face and pointed that big finger with that big bear paw that he has. Yep. And he said, you tell Joe and Pat that I won and they said I couldn't do it. <laughs> Worried. You know, he's on. That he just, he just became governor CNN. of the state. Yes, he has been interviewed by everybody. He's worried about two yokels, Joe and Pat. Because that's how his, his mind in an innocent way, it works like that. Yeah. He looked at, I mean, he, you know, I wasn't standing by him the entire time. Uh, I would, you know, you go away, but he came up to me, he saw me, and he saw Rookie, Radio, That's it. Joe and Pat, yep. and he, he, he wanted so, to prove to you two dummies. He that hit he the did. button. Yeah. The, the light, light goes off, on, and hit he hit the, the monkey hits the button. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, uh, John's right. The time that I've spent with him, or, or your instinct was right. Away from things, either visiting him in the governor's residence or visiting him at um, the Capitol, when you're one-on-one, -on -one, he is like uh, a, a brother, an uncle. Uh, I don't really see him as a father figure, but he he is gentle and kind. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I've heard people make the analogies between Trump and Ventura. And there is some there is some fodder there uh, in the treatment of the press, for example. But Jesse never called the press the enemy of the people. But I don't think there is great analogies between the two. I, I as much fun as I had with Jesse, uh, and as angry as I could get with him at times, I never doubted that. You know, basically, I thought he was a good man. Yes. I thought he was a sound man. Yes. To his wife and to his kids. And don't you think, using your own 
term that he was trying to be useful, not important in that role? I think so. I do too. I think so. I mean, his ego is extraordinary, but but as Woodley said, uh, he, he he had an appetite for fairness. He, he did have an appetite for the little guy. I think. If the, I, I just thought he was deep down, he's just a, he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. No, when he's I a good guy. I remember the picture in the Star Tribune of the. Uh, the Timberwolves, Jack, that he had lifted off of Charlie Frank and the right. Timberwolves basically after a modeling gig, he just left wearing it. Ah, it's mine now. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, really. Um, of him walking down the street alone. This was before, you know, he was governor-elect that was still running the campaign, and he was just, he was by himself. There was no, he basically, he didn't have an Well, entourage. he hardly needed a bodyguard. True. He's like uh, Charles Barkley. He would he would not want to have Barkley so he could beat all the people up on his own. He wants to beat his own people. Right. What, what yeah. was interesting too, Joe? You mentioned that he he was kind of the voice of the little guy. Is that how is that how you phrase well, it? Well, I yeah, that's like such a cliche. Well, but, but I but in that regard though, I I believe that I remember. You know, I, I obviously wasn't where Rook was that day. The next day, because I was in college at the time, but I had a I had a route, a delivery route that that I used to pay for school. Right. And that following morning, I was driving into factories delivering stuff, and people were celebrating. That's all they were talking about. That's all that these guys. It was he curbed the blue collar guy to come out and gal to come out and and vote for him that otherwise would not have. Not I to- still think it was stupid. That he sues the widow of uh, Chris Kyle. Yeah, I just yeah, I thought that was stupid. I don't know how to handle that. was Trump like. I don't know how to handle that. Yeah, that was. I'm but not, he he felt that he was wronged, and he he's he doesn't want to be wrong. Right. He, he doesn't want to be wronged. I mean. Well, and to uh, Chris, your point too. That uh, again on the ballot was the hunting um, yeah. amendment. Yep. And I forget what the other one was. And so, so many other hunters came out to vote. And what are they going to do when they see Jesse. Jesse Ventura on there? You know what? I'm voting for Jesse. I don't care. I'm going to buck the system. Well, the other reason, let me get back to this lawsuit. If he had just let that go, no one would have known anything. And it sullied his reputation as a good guy, I think. Uh, he, uh, he, he, he didn't need to go after this young widow. Of a war hero, mm-hmm. and, he, and he should have known that himself. He was he served, and I think it just, I just think it was a mark against him. It, it tainted the water, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I was I was I was sad about that too, and I've never really talked to him about that. But in and from what I know about him is again that uh, I was I was wronged, and I need to write this. That mm-hmm. would be his mentality at the time, but mm-hmm. I I can't speak for him because his point was he would never have talked ill of a Navy SEAL. Was that his bone of contention? Right. Correct, right. and that's what Chris Kyle said, but I think once uh, uh, I think what, what Joe's saying is once the guy is gone that kind of ends the discussion. Yeah, yeah, even though there was money made and it came out that Governor Ventura was indeed correct and didn't say that stuff. Do we that's, even know if the governor's in the state? Uh, I don't know for sure. All right. I don't know for right. sure. I talked to right. his, his son earlier. Do you yeah, think Jesse week. knows how to listen to a podcast? I think he listens every day. I think he'll deny it, but I think he listens <laughs> hey, every day. I don't day. listen, but. <laughs> uh, and I would say it right to his face, and he would say, I deny it. And I know he's not under oath right now, but uh, there have been other times when he has said, I don't listen to the show, but Such was talking yesterday about. <laughs> and I, you know, I'd, I'm not calling him out because I want him to continue to listen. 
I voted today at the net. My polling place is the NAC Hardware and Lounge. Uh, good turnout. A very good turnout. Long Love lines, yeah. Very long lines. Uh, uh, but we all got inside the warmth of the NAC Hardware and Lounge, and then uh, I'm waiting. Exercised I'm, our franchise. I'm going as a family tonight. Can I share a quick story? I hope you voted. I uh, went to my uh, polling place yep. in Carver. I, there you go. Uh, I was. I, I had not yet registered as a Carver resident. My wife and I have only lived there for uh, two years now, and uh, got my driver's license. Yep. Social security card. Not yep. a problem. Handed it to the lady. Mm-hmm. There you go. Scanned it. She said, "Do you have another form of ID?" I said, "Yeah. Here's my social security card." Oh, do you have like a water bill, electricity Are bill? Are you kidding me? Right. Water bill always said, supersedes social security I card. looked at her and I said, what? She said, well, we need another form that has your address. And I'm like, you mean like my driver's license right. that you're holding in your hand? Which is pretty much. She she turned me away. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. I said, ma'am, you're, you're turning away a voter right now. And she said, well, I need another form unless someone in the building can vouch for you. Well, there are four people in hey, there. Rick, right? do you see this uh, ID here? I was turned away. That's incredible. I'm going to go back after work, but I thought, what? What? What are you doing? Why are you? I don't understand that. What? Why are we making it so it's complicated? It's voter fraud. You know. Well, you know what? You can file a complaint if you are uncomfortable in any way. If you feel that your rights are being violated in some way around the process of voting, you can always file a complaint right there at the polling place with an election official. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm not going to indict Gladys. But you know? no, wouldn't no, Gladys no. Kravitz have been the election official? She was, and and she had a superior standing behind her, giving the the look of nod, like, "Well, what's this guy up to?" Isn't that that's just, that's amazing? I, and I thought, what? the damn water bill supersedes the social security <laughs> number and, and and your driver's license. That's what I thought. Yeah, that just that doesn't. I'm registered, so I don't have a problem. But I'm looking now. What you have I, a water bill? I have the Not only handy. thing. <laughs> right. The only thing I have on me with my address is my driver's license. I don't have my light well, uh, address and, on anything else. And that's else. what I kept thinking because I was going through my billfold. I thought, well, it's like my AAA card have my address on it or anything. I thought, you've got to be joking. Yeah, your AAA uh, card would not. The only thing I got with an address is my driver's license. Well, yeah, But you're registered, so you won't need I've anything. You can walk right in. Ages. Yeah. But how is that not away? enough? How is I, that? Uh, it should be enough. I'm surprised. Your license should be enough because that's the end all. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the end Look all. Look at, see that picture? That's me. I noticed your water bill, your uh, your usage was kind of high too, Mr. Reavers. Do you uh, have anything to say about that? A lot of laundry this month, yeah, right? Well, how many people in your family? You can. Uh, their polls are open till eight tonight. Yeah, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'll do it tonight. But you know, when you go after work, now it's gonna take ten times as long. But mm-hmm. whatever. I'm excited to go, vote, come home, and have maybe a a strong libation while we watch results come in. Yeah. Well. Probably a three or four finger. It, did, it sure, it sure <laughs> felt, it sure felt this morning like an election day. Though. It really did. Cold and wet well, and windy I, and. I can't wait to see the regular turn. I know the early voters and what was yesterday with half a million or however many we had, but I can't wait to see how many people come out today because this is the day uh, you vote. Walk up, do it. You have no excuse. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you've already voted. The chief offsite correspondent Kelsey, by the way. He came through with the na- uh, the uh, telephone number uh, for Leanne Drahim, the woman, uh, the mother of a, a child, an 11-year-old uh, Levi, who was involved in a, uh, uh, a group of youth suing the federal government 
for allowing oil to be produced, for example. Yeah, this is down in Florida. Well, and I challenged him, and sure enough, he's he's not only got the address, he's got the picture of her house. It's very right. nice, by the way. And oh. uh, and uh, so I'm thinking that uh, tomorrow uh, we'll give her a call. Okay. And uh, ask her how she believes the government can stop a hurricane, because that's her contention. And <laughs> She's got nice digs, huh? Uh, it seems to be, yeah. Okay. And she's a teacher. Uh, she believes in something called unschooling. Uh, so she homeschools her uh, children. Ooh. And uh, by uh, uh, unschooling is the is a euphemism for letting a, a kid decide what it is he might want to learn. No, I, I it's, think— It's not really—doesn't sound very disciplined. No, you need to be well-rounded so once you get to high school or college— you know, you need to be able to do well on your ACT, your SAT. And so then... I think what we'll do uh, tomorrow, uh, which is going to be Wednesday, November 7 podcast, yep. uh, I will call this uh, gal tomorrow morning okay. and uh, and extend the invitation to uh, to come on the show. Perfect. All right. I think we can handle that. All right. Sounds like a, sounds like a plan. We lead the way in setting the example for the rest of the country that hopefully, hopefully the Democrats and the Republicans will take notice now. They will stop, wait, wait, they will stop their partisan party politics and start doing what's right for the people. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Uh, Reavers, yes, sir. Pay attention. Does that mean I'm 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 okay? During yesterday's podcast, you brought up the news that yet another pedestrian in a crosswalk uh, was struck on the light rail oh, line. God, I'm gonna get ripped. For this. Chris Reavers stated <laughs> that if the pedestrian is looking down a one-way street, he might only look in one direction. Please inform Chris that light rail tracks run in pairs, spaced closely together. Therefore, regardless of which direction a pedestrian might choose to look before crossing, he must account for possible trains in both directions. There are two tracks. Trains use them both. Pedestrian crosswalks along the light rail, that is, those that are located any place not at a station stop, are concrete ramps built in a zip-zap fashion such such that anyone crossing the two sets of tracks must stop at the crossing and account for oncoming trains in both directions before proceeding. (laughs) If you only wait for one train to pass before crossing, then you could be struck by the train coming in the other direction. This is the second time in just a few weeks that a pedestrian was hit at a pedestrian crosswalk. If you hit by a train, it is your fault. Throw another coin in the bucket for Mr. Scan Man. Yeah. Regards, Rads. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we got some mail about uh, that uh, whole dialogue yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, I can't Ooh. believe I defended a guy that. Neither can I. <laughs> well, well, I'm not going to go down that road again. Chief Offsite uh, Correspondent Kelsey notes uh, we've been talking about the lack of unification in the country. Yes. Oh, uh, not so much the lack of unification. The uh, the decline of unifying cultural phenomenon. Unification. Mm-hmm. And he writes, the okay, biggest beautiful. reason for the division in the country has not been mentioned. It's taxes. Half the country pays them and the other half benefits from them. It's not surprising that the election results are almost always 50-50. God, isn't that the truth? That's a good point, isn't it? <laughs> wow. That's a really good point. There's a story so horrible here, I, I don't want to do it, but... 
I'm going to have to. I think I might wait, though, till the start of the second hour. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't start it now. Uh, Is it a local story? Well, it's too close, close, too close for comfort. Another dreadful, dreadful story out of uh, nearby western Wisconsin. Uh, yes, I think I know what you're talking about. Where you had uh, Jamie Kloss. Jamie Kloss's parents murdered. Mm-hmm. She remains missing. Then you had the uh, huffing fool who... Oh, Killed man. Girl Scouts. Yep. Did you see the quote from the priest? No. Oh my God. It's the uh, the I believe it was the mother and one of the girls was heavily involved with the, with the church um, in town, and so he was obviously Chippewa Falls. He was extremely you know shaken up as mm-hmm. to be expected, and his quote was, "The world is broken." It really That's is. A pretty oh my, good. That's a oh really good God. summary. That was heartbreaking to read that today. Mm-hmm. Not as heartbreaking as what you're about to hear. Oh no! Uh, that one's a that one's a real mess. Girl Scouts picking up trash mm-hmm. on the freaking highway. Well, and again, that debate—it's been all over Facebook and so forth. What are is that a good idea? I I I just I uh, I'd like the uh, naughty kids, as what we used to say, to pick up the trash on the uh, on the highways and freeways to give them something to do. How about this? What kind of life would it be if we didn't throw things out car windows? How about there not be any litter? I, okay. I, I first never, and foremost, I, I do not litter. I would. I, I. It offends my aesthetic. I. I am with you. I would never throw a pop can out my car window, for example. I would not either. I would never throw anything out a car window that's not biodegradable. I was going to say I have been guilty, maybe, of throwing a banana peel. Yeah, me too. But I know that that's going to provide. You know, some compost. kind of compost yep. or some animals or an apple core, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I nope. I don't smoke, so I've never flicked the cigarette. Um, and I've told you this. I remember distinctly there was a time, and our consciousness has been heightened considerably when it comes to littering, but not enough. There was a time when you routinely see people at a stoplight take their car ashtray and ba- open the door and empty it out on the street. Yeah, I remember that. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, thankfully. But you know. If we didn't litter, you wouldn't have to have Girl Scouts out there earning some who, community okay, who's, time. Who's littering? Uh, slobs. Uh, 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 if you have a Burger King Diet Coke or a McDonald's Diet Coke, why would that? Why would you feel the need to throw that out the this window? This can't be in here anymore. Right. I mean, we leave it in our console. Once we get home, you drag you, it in and you, throw you it throw away. throw it in the garbage. I guess that adds the world is broken. The world mm-hmm. is broken. The world is broken and people don't care. Oh, it's just so broken. Uh, I'll gather my thoughts here, and uh, I'll tell you why it's just so broken. All right. Garage Logic, we'll be back for more. Don't go away.